hope we don't get that wrong. This is Cassie Smith, and it is 6.15 on August 22nd, 2012, and I'm here with Mary Lou Castillo um, at her home to conduct an interview for the Emma S. Barrientos Mexican American Cultural Center Oral History Project. Mary Lou, do you give permission for me to record this interview on behalf of the Austin History Center for this project? Yes, I do. Right. Um, could you please state your full name and spell it for us? Okay. Uh, my name is Mary Lou Castillo, M-A-R-Y-L-O-U-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O. And we'll start with something easy. Can you tell yeah. us where you were born and where you grew up? Well, I was born in Lampasas, which is an hour drive northwest of Austin. Um, but I do claim to be Tejana. Um, and um, grew up there, went to school there. Uh, I'm the youngest of six. So everyone um, that was older than me went to, uh, actually came here to Austin to either go to UT or St. Edwards or uh, higher education. Um, so it was inevitable for me to follow as well. Um, but I've known Austin since 1964 when we would drive, my parents uh, would drive uh, down to Austin mm -hmm. to see my uh, brothers or sisters that were living here, going to school here. Mm -hmm. So I've known Austin for a long time. Um, and I've always, out of uh, high school, I came, I went, moved in, moved out. Um, decided that at that time I didn't want to raise my children. Mm -hmm. when they lost my child in school. <laughs> anyway, but I finally made the move, a permanent move, uh, in 94. In 1994. Mm -hmm. And what was it like growing up in Lampasas? Um, we were about uh, maybe 4%, 5% minority. Mm. Yeah. Um, the thing about it was that uh, my mother's from there originally, uh, my father is not from there, but because of the military, um, he, after he joined the military and was there and um, decided to stay, married, uh, met my mom, married my mom, and, and then they started mm -hmm. having family, so we stayed there. Oh, great. Yeah. And were you involved in the arts as a kid? Um, I was not as much as I wanted to be. But it was my dad who saw the potential that I had, uh, and he was the one that encouraged me mm -hmm. to um, get in and and work or study in it. Uh, I was I would my getaway uh, would be just exactly that was just get into painting and drawing and coloring and anything that had to do with uh, any type of of paints. Mm -hmm. I got into and he actually entered one of my paintings in a contest oh. and I won and without me knowing that I had <laughs> done that and they came looking for for me later uh, mm -hmm. wanting to know um, a little bit more about the winner um, 
but being of a Latino or Mexican family, uh, being female, um, they did not believe in them the, at that time. The, at back in, in the 60s, you mm. didn't go off by yourself, oh. especially not to New York. So my dad was, you know, supportive somewhat, but my mother was not like, that was important to, to have her youngest daughter move to New York was like moving to a foreign country for her. Well, to go to art school? Mm -hmm. That's why you, okay. mm -hmm. So unfortunately for me, that was just not conceivable for her. She couldn't imagine, you know, her daughter being in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately I didn't do that. Ended up going into education. Uh, taught for eight years. Decided that wasn't for me. Um, you know, I love not, not the students, as far as the students were concerned, and, you know, uh, feeling like every day was something that I wanted to teach, something I wanted my students to learn new mm -hmm. was exciting. I loved working with, with kids, working with students. It was a the uh, bureaucracy of it and the political part that I found it very difficult mm -hmm. when I saw injustices not to say. And I guess it's the education system is like any other place. If you don't go with the with the flow and you go against the grain, then it's and they can make it very difficult for you because um, if you want to continue working, mm -hmm. especially if you want to get out and go work somewhere else, you have to you know. So it didn't work out for me uh, after eight years. Um, but I had a friend who worked. Uh, who was a nurse and she worked in the public uh, clinic mm -hmm. uh, for the state and she there was an opening in the immunization division and she's the one that said better do this you would be able to do this you'd be perfect so that's how I ended up working for the state of Texas and what does that job entail the job that I have now mm -hmm. uh, well when I got in because at that time you once you got in with the state, you you know, it was pretty good. You could move around in different departments, but, um, you know, for every one job available, it was like uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 applications. Mm -hmm. And not too long ago, we were had an opening uh, for a position where I'm working at now, uh, and it was 125 applications. Wow. And for one position. So, um... I now, and I went, uh, started in with the immunization division and then went into the WIC and that was working directly with moms and babies mm -hmm. and families and I really enjoyed that as well. And it was part of the education, this is what my mm -hmm. background was, child development. So it fit very well. Um, and I did that for like three years and unfortunately yeah. that program was given over to public uh, private uh, company and now they're running it so in the WIC program? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah and so I didn't want to work for a uh, private company because mm -hmm. I didn't know um, pay was good but as security wise and I want to mm -hmm. put in time with the state so I didn't take that move I decided to go in, um, there was an opening for, uh, uh, well they call a surveillance specialist, but it's working in epidemiology. Mm. 
and that uh, we go out and look for birth defects in the different hospitals, take the mm -hmm. data from the hospitals, and then uh, kind of clean it up, look it over, and then it goes on to uh, researchers and clinicians and the yeah. people who write. Mm -hmm. the, the epis, what we call them. So, yeah. Is that your current position? My current position, yeah. It's okay. epidemiology. Wow. It's called epidemiology and I'm in the birth defects unit. Yeah. Wow. So we collect data of all the birth defects in Travis County. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I have, I oversee all of Seton Medical Center's hospitals. It's called Seton Medical Network. And so let's go back to when you first moved. <laughs> That's here. When I first moved. When you first moved to Austin. Um, I forget the, the year that you said. Well, when I bought my home in Austin, it was in 2004. But I made the permanent move. In 1994. In 1994. Yeah, but I, okay. I—that's what I was telling you. I, I think I lived in every neighborhood in <laughs> Austin, <laughs> trying to decide where I wanted to place my roots. You know, where mm -hmm. was it that I was going to finally settle down? Mm -hmm. And in 1994, what was Austin like? Oh, in '94. Well, I've known Austin. Like I said, my first ever trip was in '64. Mm -hmm. So I like to say I knew Austin when the city limit sign was on 183 and 35. Wow. That that cross and mm -hmm. and back then the freeway wasn't what it is now. Right. Um, you would come to a stop sign on 183 <laughs> on 35, and it kind of curved over, and you now you were on the freeway. Wow. Yeah, so that was a city limit right there, that corner right there when we got to there. Mm -hmm. And that target that's on 183 in mm -hmm. Olin, that used to be a farmhouse. Wow. And you know, and as kids we'd always be bugging my dad, when are we there? Are we there yet? Are we getting there? We'd come to that farmhouse and he says, you see that farmhouse? He goes, in five minutes we'll be in Austin. So we'd like, ee! and on the trips, we're always looking for the farmhouse, you know, oh good. So we would stop asking him. Yeah. <laughs> Are we there yet? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So the Target used to be a, uh, it was beautiful farmhouse mm -hmm. with a, a wrapped around porch. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. Was replaced by Target. So you've seen Austin change oh, over a long period of time. Tremendously. Yeah. Um, uh, even the lake, and that used to be nothing but, but uh, dirt roads and uh, country roads that we roam around, play around, mm -hmm. take a trip down there just just to drive somewhere and go to the r to the river and go swimming and mm -hmm. no houses, no mansions, just country road, dirt road, some of them. Mm -hmm. And when you when you made the move, w what kind of community did you find yourself in? Um, here in Austin. Mm -hmm. um, well, I wanted it all. <laughs> I wanted it to be convenient. I wanted it to be diverse. I wanted it to be uh, close to my work. I didn't want to have to get on a freeway and uh, commute. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that because I also did that when when I lived out in Oak Hill. And then I lived out and I even thought about living in Cedar Park. And I'm so glad that I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, Cause just a commute, and I thought, no, 
Uh, and I, you know, my kids are grown. They have their own homes. So I, you know, as far as the independent school district, it didn't really matter to me what district I was in or where I was mm -hmm. at. So I wanted it to be easy to get up and go to work or go to downtown mm -hmm. or go to the campus or get on the airplane. Mm -hmm. um, and I once I rented a, a house not too far from here, I found it to be the most convenient place. I have every store that I need. I have a dry cleaner, fast food, mm -hmm. sit down food. Um, and a lot of my family are, are UT fans, you know, like football and baseball. And, mm -hmm. and so it's really convenient here. Mm -hmm. So they all meet up here and then we either take the bus or somebody drops us off mm -hmm. so in, and I'm just like five minutes from from campus right so when you first moved did you get involved in in arts an art community yeah well when uh, I and the reason I was living in Ampasas um, and I was working for the state when I started working uh, when I was working for WIC uh, I traveled to all the rural areas surrounding Lampasas County. So I sometimes would be in Llano or Johnson City or Blanco, or I would be in Temple or Belton, anywhere in between there. I could be, mm -hmm. depending on uh, what the need and appointments and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I moved into the, uh, a job, they said, um, we want you to apply for this position that is in Austin and you'll be doing the same amount but in one county versus mm -hmm. instead of traveling through all those other counties and doing the same amount or workload I would be doing here in Austin mm -hmm. and so I immediately jumped on it because I was like oh yeah I want to go to Austin I want to move to Austin and for me that was like my chance to get back into the arts because after, you know, I, and I did some arts in, in college mm -hmm. and did some exhibits and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, once, when I got here, I thought, well, yay, I'm going to get back into the arts. I'm, gonna, I'm going to definitely uh, look to see w if I could have exhibits, you know, maybe join a group you know, be able to paint more, you know, mm -hmm. go ahead and work. And, and so out in the rural area, I was thinking uh, that'll be a great opportunity. I'm going to go come to Austin and and start to meet people and uh, uh, go to exhibits and do all of these art events. And I had this picture in my head, all these wonderful <laughs> things that were going to be happening. <laughs> I was excited. I was really excited about moving here. Not so much for my job, but for the arts. Because mm -hmm. in in passes, I mean, it's the opportunities were far and few in between. Mm -hmm. So, I was excited to come here for just just even that. Um, plus, I love Austin. I've known Austin, like I said, since I was a kid. So, yeah, I love it. And I moved here and had my children, but decided once they started going to school, I was going back to mm -hmm. a rural, so I could keep track of going. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, and when I got here, I started to meet people, started going to exhibits and different events, and found out it wasn't as tr 
behind goal as I thought it was going to be. Uh, and once I moved here, uh, my bubble was busted. Mm. Yeah, it was it was busted because in my mind, this is how things were going to be, and the arts were going to be great, and I was going to have so much fun. I was going to get so much involved, and when I found out that there was turmoil between the art, the Latino arts mm. groups back in 90, 90s, the early 90s, mm -hmm. um, I was told, and I was, you know, maybe not even, maybe a year, year and a half, uh, already involving myself with the arts. And I, I won't mention names, but there was someone from one group that told me uh, if I went to that other group, because I was working with several groups, mm -hmm. I just didn't want to limit myself to one, and I wanted to do it all mm -hmm. <laughs> in my head. I wanted, I wanted, yay! You know, I had, I was starving for it. I wanted it so bad. I wanted to be so much into it. And when I was told that I had to choose one organization or the other, I was devastated. I was really let down disappointed and disgusted all at the same time because I felt wait a minute that you can't dictate a volunteer <laughs> to tell me that I can't volunteer with you and them and everywhere else I want to mm -hmm. and you know but there was a, at that time it was the politics um, was not very welcoming uh, wasn't um, inviting um, a lot of backbiting, a lot of jealousy, and it, it was just, it wasn't pretty at all, uh, unfortunately. And then about the same time, I started to meet people like Pio Renteria and Lori, and you know, I knew some people already because my sister had lived off of uh, East Second mm. when she lived here, and she married someone from here, so I, I knew people here already by the time I made my major, my big move, my permanent move. But, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, I saw the, the Latino group or the Latino community divided. Mm -hmm. And they had divided themselves into these little cliques, into these groups. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not like it at all. It, I didn't see it beneficial to, to me or to my other women, Latino women. And I was like, but... You know, there's so much fighting and fighting. There's so much of this going on that what we really need is support for women like me, who was just coming into the city and didn't really know anyone. And how could I? You know, where were the resources? Mm -hmm. There were none. And so that's how actually I co-founded Lupe Arte, specifically because of that, because there was so many of us going between the cracks because these these organizations were just with one another just so bitter against one another and what seemed to be the center of the the turmoil i guess what was the the subject of that um personality to put it bluntly it was money mm. everybody felt like they were all fighting for the same money mm the same amount and if one you know and then it was I and not only that but uh, space there was just a lot of and they at that time 
if you did political uh, rubbed elbows with the poli the politicians city councilmen you favored they favored you you got a little bit more or you know you were put up on a pedestal a little bit more um, uh, and then right in the middle of all that was the the fight for the Mac as well um, there was that going on and pe uh, people talking about how important this uh, a cultural center would be um, uh, there was specific people wanting it and that's other people that you know they couldn't agree upon uh, who who would be running all of this and um, to make a long story short I ended up just uh, uh, following not and not really following but after talking to the, the renterias and and talking to Clemencia and talking to some other people and getting the whole story myself and what was going on, who was doing what, you know, where did everybody stand, um, then I made my own choice of, okay, I really didn't want to have to cross a line and go to a camp per se, but I, I felt like I, I had to in order to be a, able to say my own voice, to have my own and 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 basically it's like okay the the cultural center would solve a lot of the problems a lot of the problems mm -hmm. that w they were having you know abiding for space for money you know and the idea of having one one center one place would be perfect mm -hmm. uh, and all the organizations would be able to use it and produce their shows and all of that and got to meet uh, uh, Tomas through some of uh, the other people as well and that's uh, I got to meet uh, Gutierrez um, Juan Pablo mm -hmm. and he was one of the major players too uh, back in the day I got to meet him and uh, when they approached me when they started talking about the show because of the Mac and getting it to um, well to produce it uh, my grandmother used to put on pastorelas back home when I was a kid yeah so I, I knew exactly what they what it was I knew how it worked I knew you know what needed to be done I uh, so yeah my grandmother used to do that and used to produce the whole thing were you an actor in it? I was the bird <laughs> I know that's gonna sound so funny but I was I guess like maybe six seven and she had a box with all the costumes and, and props and that kind of things and there was a song and I wish I knew the song I wish that I, I knew where to get those lyrics and where her stuff was but there was a song um, that they would sing and they it, it said something about birds coming out when Christ I guess was born that the birds start singing and that was my cue <laughs> and of course I had that was my 50 seconds of fame <laughs> you know I must have been like six anyway whenever my grandmother would take out that box of props I would like beeline it over there and start digging for that because she had um, a whistle mm -hmm. 
and the whistle was a little bird and it was he, he was like a little it had a little uh, base and then the plastic bird sat on top and from that base was this little pipe coming out and what they would do is they put water inside there and then when you blew it sounded like a bird with the water like with the wind I guess in the mm -hmm. water and whatever was in there but it sounded just like a bird so she had like maybe two or three of those but I would like that was my role I was gonna be the bird <laughs> that's great yeah so I would be lining over there dig in there dig in the box find the the yellow uh, whistle and then going I already knew how to fill it and do the whole thing and I'd get ready just follow everybody with my little whistle and wait for that because then they would sing that song and then they say the birds and my grandmother would look at me and I was like I'm the best bird there is <laughs> and I don't know why the bird attracted me but it was because I, I to me I'm, I look back and I think oh because when they sing that when they sang the song they sang the bird sing and the bird sang I think how it went and it's kind of like stops or mm -hmm. I think the guitar plays or something and I'm blowing the whistle but and I mean like everybody <laughs> so I think it was like you know it's I'm I got the spotlight mm -hmm. so it was my time to steal that that show for that 15 seconds <laughs> story and so being the bird helped you yeah in your new role yeah um, putting on the pasparela yeah. well and just knowing and knowing uh, that my grandmother produced the pasarela mm -hmm. uh, as well was easy for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, once they uh, they invited me, um, either it was Clemencia or Tomas. I can't remember which one of them, but they invited me. And because they were like, oh, we're going to get together and we need a seamstress. It's like, oh, I can sew. Oh, you can. And, you know, it, so it started mm -hmm. that way. Um, and then I would go and get props that they needed or uh, uh, go shopping for clothes, whatever it was that they needed. So, I mean, for me, once they, I got involved, it was easy. Mm -hmm. It was very easy. And I was like, okay, well, we need cactus. Okay, well, I know where to go get it. <laughs> I, I know how to deal with cactus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what year was that when you first started working on the pastorella? I guess it was in 96, 97. And was it at the warehouse at that time? Yes, because I remember going to one and it was at the Pan American, but I was not, I was part of the audience at that time. But I remember loving it. I think it was uh, Juan Pablo or yeah, that Gutierrez who was producing it at that time over at the mm -hmm. Pan, uh, Pan, Pan Am. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was another time I saw it at the gym. So um, I knew about them, but I didn't get, I wasn't involved. And it wasn't until, I think it was Clemencia that said something to me about needing help or mentioning it to me or something or the other. And I, that's how I was like, oh, I could sew you Joseph's gown. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, how I got involved in it um, and I stayed involved in it uh, till now I mean this year is one year that I haven't done as much mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, last year I was the uh, producer, director, not director, artistic, not the artistic director, the producer, program manager, mm -hmm. I guess that's what the title would be. Um, so from prop person to producer. producer. Wow. Yeah. Um, and who else was involved in those first pastorellas at the, the warehouse? At the warehouse, uh, it was, of course, Tomas and Clemencia. Um, there was Marita as well. My so she was part of the actors. Um, Mikey D. Garcia. Um, some of the people from uh, Teatro Humanidad. Mm -hmm. um, uh, oh my gosh, Flores, Jose Flores. Mm -hmm. um, I even worked with Brian, Brian Ramos oh, wow. from El Grupo or the old Grupo. Uh, mm -hmm. He was part in it. Uh, Gavino Barrera, um, my sister Veronica. <laughs> uh, my goodness. I think the ones that, and then, uh, I think the ones that were steady were myself, and at one point Marita was also, uh, oh, Marisa Limon was there, helped produce mm -hmm. one a couple of years, um, and then, yeah, most of the time it was Tomas, mm -hmm. that he was finding someone to direct it or uh, he himself um, and then that's when uh, there was a time when I think it was either New Shank because New Shank was one of the theater companies here back in the day um, either it was one of them from their group or Teatro Humanidad that said hey maybe we should all just get together all the theater groups and just do it and it was Tomas who came to say to us um, if we don't use the Mac, the warehouse, we, we could you lose it. it I think it was um, Garcia, Gus Garcia, that, or somebody from his office um, is the one that said, if you don't use it, you lose it. And Tomas is the one that uh, started making phone calls. Mm. And then one of the groups said, well, let's just all come together and just do it, you know, each of the groups. So, um, by that time, uh, well, we started Luperte in 99. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. And it had to be 97 when I did props and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And kind of did stage management. You know, I, I did whatever it is that they needed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And what was the environment like to work there? Oh, back there? Oh, after that, it was great it was it was a lot of fun people looked forward to it um, uh, it and just people stepped up to whatever it is if you were a musician you helped in the music area if you know uh, cleaning up or, or whatever it took mm -hmm. yeah yeah and what was the attendance like and and actually it was just word of mouth 
word of mouth because or if we got somebody to do a write-up from one of the newspapers otherwise you know and, and or if we collected a little bit of money or somebody donated something we would oh sell a program the program helped by starting to sell ads and that's how got it little postcards mm -hmm. to be able to print postcards to be able to mail the postcards so basically that was it um, I don't remember about email much back then, but it most of it's what we had a database uh, that uh, La Peña actually gave us their database to be able to mail out um, cards. And back then, you would that would this is what you would do is when you'd get your little postcards and mm -hmm. have the info here, put a stamp and mail out. Mm -hmm. you know. Five, six hundred, you know. So um, that's how we did that, and word of mouth, basically. But it would it people. I think the community uh, is, and I know East Austin has always known about La Pasarela. It was just never on TV for mm -hmm. them. It was just word of mouth, and they would come and they would tell one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's how we got people to come. Mm -hmm. And were there other groups performing in that space at the time? At the beginning, um, the only one that I knew was, uh, was us, and then they started, once we started the shows, and or did the show, then there were other people that started to come in. I think New Shang used it mm -hmm. to perform some of their, um, one of their plays, or maybe two of their plays. But yeah, New Shank used it. Um, we used it, Lubarte used it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was horrific for displaying artwork. <laughs> but what I did was I got uh, two by fours, made square panels, wrapped, uh, um, got cloth, black cloth, stapled mm -hmm. it to the back of it, and then just literally, very delicately placed the frames. And, and, of course, we had the string wrapping up to the back of it. So, and that was how we just, that we were able to exhibit. Wow, so you did visually. put on exhibits there. Yeah. Wow, how many did you? Uh, I think maybe twice. One year, uh, that's what I ended up doing, you know, because the warehouse is just that, that aluminum, this type of thing mm -hmm. that you see here. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, and then the ceilings were so high that and there was nothing really that you could nail or do anything to hold something to to exhibit mm -hmm. so after looking at it i thought i'm just gonna have to go to the expense of buying two by fours and having them up and it was literally like this um where it would be like this and i set up hinges and you could display here and here, and then you'd have another section, another mm -hmm. uh, wall with cloth, and put it in front of the this steel the steel walls. Wow! And who exhibited? And uh, I'm not sure if everybody did. I know I probably not Mexicarte because they had their own place, mm -hmm. uh, and so did La Peña, but. Uh, I know we didn't, so we exhibited there. Mm -hmm. uh, visual art. Visual art. There. Mm -hmm. And how did you find your artists? 
Um, they were enrolled in our classes. And it was a it was a students. Mm -hmm. And where were you holding your classes? Um, different areas in in, in town. Uh, depend on the enrollment. It could have been over by in East Austin Betts or mm -hmm. Terrazas. We use Terrazas sometimes. Uh, we use JJ Pickle, mm -hmm. their center over mm -hmm. here. It would be a good time now to ask you about Lupe Arte. Okay. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about we know we know a little bit about how you started it, but give us an idea of what what the mission is. Yeah. And well, uh, it's like I said when I moved here, um, my bubble was bursted, and I realized that. And I was older, of course, but I realized what what. I asked myself, what's, if, if this is happening to me, a Latina, and, mm -hmm. and I felt that if I wasn't Latina, I would have a little better chance of getting my art looked at mm -hmm. and exhibited, or if I was a male. If I was a male and not a uh, minority, I probably, my work would have probably had a little bit more chance of putting being put out there, but because I felt that I wasn't, that then... I was gonna, you know, I was gonna have to find resources and struggle a little bit more and work a little bit harder to get in to these. Because remember, back in there, if you didn't belong to that little clique, it wasn't easy to get in. Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy to, for you to exhibit your work. And to me, that was so disappointing because I felt that uh, every, you know, you an organization should be open to everyone. Mm -hmm. and not just to uh, select a few and that's how I felt if you weren't selected or you weren't part of their uh, or I was going to have to somehow volunteer and be in that group for a while before I was taken seriously about my art mm -hmm. so I was just thinking about what's happening to these young ladies who are coming out of college and they don't have the resources mm -hmm. or you know what's happening to them how are they going to manage and there's not support group or resource group or something you know it's going to be that much and I just hated that thought mm -hmm. I hated that thought of no one being there for them and so that's how we ended up forming Lubarte to be able to help uh, the Latina woman and her art mm -hmm. um, what I didn't realize was that uh, it was just, it was much more bigger than that. It was more, is all of a sudden we found ourselves catering to both male and female uh, minorities. And then it got to where it was everybody. <laughs> it was everybody. But uh, so we started thinking about college age uh, students, women. And then we also did a little pilot project and we found that it actually needed to start younger. Mm. And when we got into the high school age, we realized that they already have their mindset on what it is that they want to do or their, their life is already etched out mm -hmm. for whatever reason that was happening. So we said, okay, we need to go perhaps start in junior high level. Mm. And even that we ended up going back as far as the elementary level so we found that that works the best is to start real early there and getting them the resources that they need and getting them to know that they have a talent and if they're interested in the arts and whatever it is 
so we ended up going from one little pilot project of visual art because I was the art teacher mm-hmm. when we first started and I was st- I started to teach over in uh, Allen Elementary mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Allen it's over off of uh, 7th and Pleasant Valley mm-hmm. anyway it's in that area we did the little pilot project I started out the first year with 15 students uh, by my second year I had 25 mm-hmm. and by my third year it was an uh, overwhelming I just it was like I need another instructor mm-hmm. and have two classes uh, because having 25 students was mm-hmm. was unbelievably and and the the projects that I did you know it took takes a lot and so we ended up hiring a young lady by the name of um, oh my gosh she was a folk artist uh, I'm horrible. She, we, we got her, recruited her, and then we recruited Marita de la Torre to do theater mm-hmm. at that school. And so by our fourth year, I went over to J.J. Pickle was, had found out about what we were doing, and they requested us that we go there. Mm-hmm. So now we had Allen Elementary, and we were working at J.J. Pickle Elementary. And then I found another young lady that did uh, theater drama, and she, so we had two theater drama classes and two visual art classes and uh, now we (laughs) we are we are all over the place in Austin we've gone to Matthews we've been at Mendes we've been in high schools we've been in junior high schools Um, we've done uh, from film to from film to um, visual art. And how many students do you serve today? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we are working uh, with uh, AISD and Primetime uh, as, as we speak, getting ready for the fall. Um, but we have lined up. Uh, today we actually had our meeting not too long ago mm-hmm. we have uh, another theater drama mm-hmm. teacher we have two pottery makers I'm excited mm-hmm. about that we have a fashion designer who's gonna do she's this is will be her third year mm-hmm. with us and she's fantastic I bet the girls love <gasps> that you ought to see what they create because they all get a t-shirt I mean they there's there's a process that they do but the end result Mm-hmm. is they design their t-shirt how they want to put wow. it together and they cut it and they glue it and all paint it and wow yeah so that's a fashion design I Daniel as you know him mm-hmm. also a story writer a creative writing we've we have um, let's see a, a hip-hop dancer mm-hmm. so that's six and I'm not too sure about the filmmaker, but we've had filmmakers in the past. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So we went from visual art, uh, one, one discipline, to multimedia. And so now we're considered a multimedia nonprofit with the city of Austin. Awesome. And you've and been involved with the MAC in the past. Yeah, in the yeah. process at the same time because, I mean, in order to exhibit, 
in order to do theater or even show film we needed a space and that's one of the biggest things here in Austin is that they are although there there may be some venues they're not venues that are affordable mm. to the nonprofit small nonprofits I think that if if I was somebody like the others that are that are in the million dollar brackets they have their space or they have their own theater mm -hmm. but we're not there yet <laughs> But we're mostly out in the community, though. We do use, like, the Met Center, or like I said, the, we try to utilize, we try to go to where the 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 need is. Mm -hmm. And if the need is at Mets, then we're going to be there. Mm -hmm. And we bring the workshops to, to Mets, or we bring them to Pickle, or we bring them to, uh, uh, what is that, near Galindo? Um, to, to wherever it is that we need to mm -hmm. to be at. <coughs> and so there was a time um, when, from when the warehouse closed to move backward a little bit, mm -hmm. to when the new Mac opened. Mm -hmm. What were you doing there for exhibiting, <coughs> for putting on the pastorela? Um, uh, for the pastorela, we used, thank goodness. Um, the theater, and I don't know if it's still there. I believe they said it's now a, a Puerto Rican dance studio or something. Mm -hmm. But it we needs to be called the Tillery Street Theater, mm -hmm. and we use that for for we use the Off Center or the Rude Mechanics. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. We use them one year, and then we use the Tillery Street Theater mm -hmm. to produce it. And then one, I think one year we didn't do it at all. Mm -hmm. And I, it may have been that year that the that the Mac was torn down. Mm -hmm. That first year or whatever year that was. I'm so sorry. I'm That's terrible okay. with it. Um, and then what has it been like to perform at the Mac? Um, I think it's great. I'm very proud of it. Uh, people that first come have never seen it before. I'm still amazed that people don't know about it, but some people. I'm still amazed at that. But people who do come, they are amazed at the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. um, I know we still have a lot more to go as far as the theater is concerned. Because um, the multi-purpose center, that's what it is. It's a multi-purpose center. It's not a theater. And we had our challenges to work with that room. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but we're very resourceful. I mean, we went from a warehouse to this. So, come on. <laughs> That was not a challenge for us at all, but we made it work. But a theater where people can literally sit in comfortable seats mm -hmm. and have a great view from whatever seat they're sitting in would be great. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have a dressing room where we don't have to go around through the through the back, up around, come around, around to the front, and then, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, to be able to have... Uh, just space for the actors would be awesome. Mm -hmm. How has your vision for the Mac changed over time? When you first from when you first heard about it, when so I first heard about it, it was about the bond. Actually, uh, that's when I first heard about it. it was about the bond, uh, trying to pass it, and getting that political move to be able to get the the bond money to do that. 
from and then you know when you think about it or when I thought about it uh, when people were talking about a cultural center um, and they said you need to look at what New Mexico has look at what San Antonio has look at what Dallas has look at everybody else has one but the capital of Texas mm -hmm. the capital of Texas does not have one um, and that was pretty powerful to me when someone brought up that point that everybody else had one but the capital of Texas did not uh, and I kind of looked at uh, what New Mexico had and I was blown away by what they were their community was able to put together mm -hmm. and pass and it didn't seem like it not very difficult you know <laughs> to do that so my vision was I guess my expectations were those of New Mexico because I'm thinking if New Mexico can do this why can't we as Texans and we're much more bigger mm -hmm. and we're more people and I just and so I guess that's where I'm coming from looking at it from that perspective of you know uh, Mexi New Mexico's they're not very rich I mean there's some don't get me wrong uh, there's people there that have money but the, you know they're yeah but they did it mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and what even I'm even more amazed is that they have a culinary section a culinary department Wow and I was just I was blown away by what they were able to put together and, and to have for, for their community. So that was something that I wanted for, for us to be able to have. Not everybody can, mm -hmm. not everybody can say we're going to have a show and it's, it's a play and then we've got music over here and then we've got the culinary over here and then we have an exhibit over here. To me, that was like, oh my God, that's the ultimate. Mm -hmm. To be able to exhibit visual art, to be able to be have a dance or a theater or a play, then to turn around and have some music, maybe outdoors, and then walk into the culinary section and have this program going on. And then classes, mm -hmm. and have classes for all of these things. Yeah. It's engaging all of your senses yeah, at the same time. <laughs> that, that is exactly what I got when I did my little uh, research for New Mexico's cultural center. Mm -hmm. It was like everything was included into it. Wow. And how do you see, what it, what is the max role in Austin? What can it do that other museums, other centers can't do? How it's function? Well, uh, what for me it's talk to people who are not bilingual perhaps um, be able to tell stories to be able to have shows that no one else perhaps might not bring mm -hmm. um, and I kind of see it same same the same obstacles that I had when I got here to Austin mm -hmm. about not fitting in or not having a space or not being included uh, is what I'm, I was hoping that the MAC could be, is to be able to mm -hmm. open doors for those of us who may only speak Spanish 
-hmm. or may want to go to a show that is bilingual or perhaps hear music that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's I don't know very many places that can do that mm -hmm. or that ha do that on a consistent basis. Um, maybe to be able to create, have, have a, a space where I would be able to go in, walk in, create something and share it with the rest of the community mm -hmm. and have that, uh, you know, appreciated. Because as artists, as a visual artist, uh, I talk to my audience uh, with through my sketches, through my paintings, through there's and and that and as a teacher, I tell my students uh, when when you when you get a blank piece of paper and you are wanting to say something and there's a message that you want to say to the people who are going to see it. So what I put down on here is going to be very important because it's only my eyes, my vision, as a visual artist, only my eyes are going to be able to tell me the story and what is it that that artist was trying to convey. What is he trying to say or she trying to say? So I, w I, I think of that that way, is mm -hmm. to be able to tell a story by what we do, mm -hmm. by what we're creating. And then share that because you know and uh, and that's another thing that I tell my students not everybody's gonna like your art not everybody your mom and your dad are going your grandma I'm sure you know may or may not you know but <laughs> I said but not but as an artist that's one of the things that we have to accept it's music is the same way film is the same way written literature is the same way not everybody's going to enjoy it and appreciate it Mm -hmm. But it's those that do, it is those that relate to what you put down on paper that you find something in common, mm -hmm. that you find something similar, that you can connect. To me, that is what's important. Mm -hmm. And if they got your message that you were trying to convey, mm -hmm. that's even that much more sweeter and grander that oh well out of all these people one person connected you know we have something now in common now I know there's somewhere out in the world that feels the same way or thinks the same way or you know experience the same thing and we're we have something in common mm -hmm. I think we're I think oh. we're all looking for that is our commonalities among ourselves mm -hmm. with each other and you think your work in in the different artist organizations have been successful at that over the years? Uh, what are the best ways, I guess? I, and you know, that was brought up. Uh, and I think Alta, the Pasarela, because after we all formed, we all, all the different theater groups got together, and it's work. I mean, it's mm -hmm. work beside your own season. Mm -hmm. uh, having to manage the Pasarela, it, it, it's, a big, it's a big job. And so, little by little, they, they would come and go, come and go. And that's, that was what we said. You, that is what the beauty of it. You come when you can contribute um, and when you want to be a part of the show or part of the pasarela. Mm -hmm. And so, we decided, we talked, we were, in a, we were in Donato's house, all in the backyard, deciding what were we going to call ourselves. <laughs> if we were just, if this group was going to be focused only on la pasarela and for the MAC, because this was because of the Mac, 
that pastorella was going to be produced and because of the mat we were going to all come together like no one had before because mm -hmm. remember 94 95 yeah mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we wanted to do was to be able to come together then we needed to f have a, a, a name that we all could relate to and so we threw out we threw out I think it took us maybe like 30 minutes to all decide you know we all threw things out there or not and finally and then we would because then we would say okay the acronym of that is la 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 and it's like nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I think we finally came to the consensus that alta which means high mm -hmm. higher mm -hmm. was a perfect name because that's what we wanted to reach and so it was the Austin Latino Theater Alliance mm. and that's we decided we all came to the consensus is that's what we should call ourselves as that pasarela group mm -hmm. and they're still together they're still, still together. together still to this day yeah mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah and it at the same group they said well uh we need a 501c3 sponsorship and uh in there it was teatro humanidad it was lupe arte uh teatro vivo uh, New Shank and then individual artists like Tomas mm -hmm. and Clemencia, you know, people, musicians and that kind of individual. Um, and at that time, no one had their 501c3 except for Lupe Arte and Teatro Humanidad. And Teatro Humanidad was sponsoring uh, LCP, which is a Latino comedy project mm -hmm. that was getting up and rolling I believe or started they were getting that together so they all decided that Luperte was the best bet mm -hmm. that Luperte be the best to be the umbrella to sponsor Alta mm. and so they all decided to do that and so we I mean we just said okay we agree we Luperte sport agreed to go ahead and have that um, have Luper to be the, the sponsorship mm -hmm. for the umbrella. Mm -hmm. for oh, is it still the umbrella? Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the most challenging aspects of your work related to the MAC? Uh, say that again? What have been the most challenging aspects of your work with the MAC from the warehouse time through kind of today, what are some of the challenges that you've faced? Oh my goodness. Um, I think dates. You know, try to it in the warehouse days though, see that's that was that's the difference between how we did things back then and we're supposedly we're supposed to get more sophisticated, right? <laughs> but um uh and that was one of the things that New Shank, the members of New Shank, says, "Hey, we ought to pull everybody again, you know, after we started Alta, mm -hmm. and said, let's all let's all get together and let's look at the calendar, and that way we can all put plug in, mm -hmm. you know, who's got what, doing what, at what time of the year." It was a perfect idea, and that mm -hmm. way we all each group knew when was, and we could then go support one another, mm -hmm. you know. If LCP was happening at this month, at that date, then we knew, you know, that we were going to be doing that. Um, 
we would all go and support. If Teatro Vivo was doing something, then we'd go then. If uh, Teatro Humanidad was going somewhere, uh, you know, so we were all, and Lupe Arte was doing their thing. And so I don't, you know, that's basically, and then you have to ask for Tomas and see how that worked, because he was the one that was at that time director mm -hmm. um, of it. Um, but it was basically that. It was just, and you know, communication, it's always a challenge for any group mm, when you want to communicate and not mis being misunderstood and all that kind of thing. But, um, and from, and from now, I think they're, they've improved. They're, their system is better. Mm -hmm. But I had a couple of situations that, uh, I was double booked and you, when, when, once you get, um, and, and particularly, you know, long-running show like La Pasarela. La Pasarela runs for three weeks, and mm -hmm. it's been running for three weeks as long as I know, as long as I've been helping produce it. Mm -hmm. um, so when you do a long run like that, uh, those dates are taken up, and it's nothing like I can I can't go and put my advertisement and say, okay, well we're running Tuesday and th or Thursday and Friday, but not Saturday. But then we'll do it on my Sunday, you know? It's like, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's one long week, three weeks, and that's mm -hmm. it. So we, when we got double booked, it was a little very frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, because I felt that uh, the MAC is a cultural center where you do exhibit arts and you have... It's, it's about the arts, not about a wedding. Mm -hmm. or a quinceanera you know, we have halls and we have other venues for quinceaneras or weddings but it's I think that it kind of got straight off of there and that's when my difficulty became where they would do aside a show of culture a bilingual show to top it off for a wedding it was just not making sense to me mm -hmm. so I, I had a little trouble with that yeah. <laughs> and what have been some of the most rewarding times working there? Oh my goodness, the most mm. rewarding is when you see uh, families coming there that have never been there before. And you've, and because of you, because of your organization, because of the show, or anybody's show. Uh, mm. I've, I went to, um, which one was it, the Pachanga or one of the music festivals. And I had invited people, you know, sent it out to now social media. Thank goodness we have that. But sent it out. Uh, people ended up showing. Uh, I need, you need to slap them out there. <laughs> <laughs> and they've never been there. Oh and wow. I know these people. And they go to concerts and they go to art things. But they've never been to the MAG. And I was floored when they told me, it's beautiful here. Uh, uh, la, 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 whatever it is that they said. And I was like, uh, what? this is your first time here and they said yeah I was like shocked so I thought I'm not doing a very good job then <laughs> of bringing people here well you did take them that day yes mm -hmm. I did mm -hmm. and that's one of the things since the beginning of time is one of my goals has been to let people know about the Mac mm -hmm. that it exists so people from Round Rock, uh, people from Georgetown, Taylor knows it exists because mm -hmm. I've had people come to shows. People in in uh, Seguin, Lockhart, San Antonio, 
people know that it exists now mm-hmm. and I think the pasarela has done uh, a great job in bringing people that didn't know about the mat mm-hmm. in fact I even have one lady uh, who was from East Austin because I, I always like to ask you know where, where are you coming from you know how did you know how did you find out about the show and she goes oh I've been in East Austin all my life and I went oh my god and that's when I feel like oh I didn't do a very good <coughs> we haven't done a very good job of mm-hmm. how do you think we know. could do a better job um I, I think main media would help if Male the, te- m- m- the main media main or the media. mainstream mm-hmm. mainstream media you know Univision can be saying it but if you don't if you're bilingual or you prefer English news mm-hmm. how are you going to know about it if you don't tune in to Univision and see I watch both English and Spanish news mm-hmm. and I try to get both from both sides so but she didn't want if she doesn't watch Univision and none mm-hmm. of main mainstream media is not talking about it mm-hmm. because something's going on there then yeah 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 same thing with the newspaper mm-hmm. I mean you can read the Spanish newspapers but if you don't mm-hmm. yeah. What would be your vision of the Mac if you could make it into whatever you wanted oh my y- God. 10 years from now? Oh my God. Okay. Well, we would have the theaters or theater for sure. Um, uh, we would have a culinary, we would have a kitchen to mm-hmm. be able to include the culinary arts. We would definitely have more classroom space more office space in fact I an office that is truly an office space mm-hmm. uh, maybe two or three times the size of the office that it is now for for staff mm-hmm. uh, for their meetings maybe a conference room for for them to, to be able to have um, every uh, Latino group in Austin and, and even not in Austin, I, but just performance, uh, a mm-hmm. calendar where you know exactly what's happening every mm-hmm. month there. Um, to me, that would be the ideal, uh, if I could have it my way. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and a board that would be able to have more power as far as deciding the board deciding the the buck stops with us and we'll tell you as a city council as my city council what's happening mm-hmm. versus uh, I have to wait for the city council to, to approve or mm-hmm. I have to wait for somebody else to approve I would totally change that up to say no the board approves the executive board has a final say and they are advising or they are telling the city council members what's happening mm-hmm. So, and, and a fundraising, another thing that I would do would be having a fundraising committee, as, you know, aside from the executive board, and whatever funds they generate would stay within the uh, center, mm-hmm. or within the MAC, and not be put in a shared pot or general pot or whatever that pot is called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the general fund, there you go. 
It wouldn't be in a general fund. It was if the monies is raised specifically for the MAG, it's to be used for classes or arts or, or whatever. The need may arise to pay artists to mm -hmm. do workshops. Great. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to add to our conversation? Um, not that I can think of right now. Other than, um, no, no, I, don't, I think if it wasn't so difficult the way the Mac, and I, I understand about the, uh, the bureaucracy of it, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Um, I would, if, you know, be able, I would like to use it more, more often. Mm -hmm. um, and we did at the beginning. Uh, we had our, our summer camps there, and, and now they're doing their own, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but it's we've we've already outgrown it. Mm -hmm. We've already outgrown with e and even just the small amount of people that are using it. Mm -hmm. We've already outgrown it. So, um, but uh, we've come a long way. That's that's all I wanted to add is just from a bond that didn't get passed like two or three times. Because mm -hmm. um, I came in on like the third round oh. where we <laughs> were knocking on doors and mm -hmm. um, getting people to vote for it, talking about it. From that to the building that it is now, mm -hmm. yeah, wow, we've come a long way. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we, you know, we still and. Martha Cotera and I talked about a little bit about converse, you know, where our conversation was about how we dropped the ball as far as finishing the job and mm -hmm. not giving way to giving it to the city to run it or to oversee it. Mm -hmm. But uh, life sometimes gets in the way with other things and mm -hmm. so. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I learned a lot of things today, and it's been oh, really great to talk to you. Good. Thank, it. You. thank you for what you do, too. You're welcome. I love it. Uh, it's one of my passions. And so, I mean, the arts, it's so important. For me, mm -hmm. it's uh, without the arts, uh, life would be very boring. <laughs> You're very right about that. I don't know how far, how much, and how long I could entertain you. <laughs> <laughs> without any props <laughs> okay great thank you so much you're welcome you're welcome